We've spent the last two days telling you all about what Ole Miss needs to do to win this game, and we're going to continue to do that as well. But today, we are going to tell you about the Tulane Green Wave and what they bring to the table. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Rebels play the Tulane Green Wave Saturday at 2.30 Central. Should be interesting to see a competition between Jackson Dart and Michael Pratt, Lane Kiffin, and Willie Fritz. Tulane has a very good football team. Ole Miss should win the game, but... Um, we'll see exactly how it goes, but you can catch every play of the Rebels hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on Channel 190 or on the SXM app searching Ole Miss Rebels. Hello, I am Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Thanks for joining us. Joining us. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and this is what you need to know about the Game Time app. They basically are perfect for a stress-free way to get into events that you want to get. Tulane and Ole Miss is a hard sellout. You can go to gametime.co and search for ticket prices. I think $93 is the get-in price right now. So let's get started. We are joined by Gary Smith, who covers the Tulane Green Wave. Who do you, who do you cover them for, Gary? Um, the, the New Orleans Advocate, the Times-Picune, NOLA.com. It's all, all the same newspaper, lots of different names for it. And then I also cover them for the Rivals website, thewavereport.com. All right. Absolutely fantastic. Now, obviously, it sounds like with all the avenues that you um, cover with, you were actually at the football game Saturday night against USA? Will be. And Tulane's one of the only schools in the country that still has open practices for the media. So I'm, I'm, I'm at every practice too. <laughs> so, all I, right. I, yeah. So I have a pretty good knowledge of this team. Talk, talk about the story and development of Michael Pratt as a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, the first time I saw him, you could tell he was going to be a really good quarterback because he just had that aura about him. He came in in spring practice. This was the this was the pandemic year, so spring practice didn't last very long. It got cut short, but you uh, you could tell. But then, then they actually threw defenses at him, and he wasn't ready. And then his freshman year, he had to come in as a starter three games into the year, four games into the year, because uh, um, they weren't getting the job done at quarterback. And he had some good moments. He came in against Southern Miss and torched them. But then when he faced better defenses, he struggled a little bit. Uh, in his development, but you could just, you could just see from the beginning that he was going to be a really good player. And each year he's gotten better. The, the incredible thing about him is he has had a different offensive coordinator in all eight years of his football career in high school <laughs> for four years. He never, he was homeschooled before high school. He convinced his parents to let him the, that he needed to go to high school to end up getting a, a scholarship. Um, he went to two different high schools. They had different coordinators every year. Then he went to Tulane. He's had a different offensive coordinator all four years at, at, at Tulane too. Um, but this year is the first year he has the same play caller. Um, and, and Slade Nagel was their de facto play caller last year. He wasn't his, his personal coach. And he has a great relationship with them. So he didn't have to learn a whole new system for the first time coming into this year. And, and you can tell the difference because he was not always an accurate passer in, in the past. Um, his completion percentage wasn't always the best. 
the second half of last year, it really started coming together. And then, and then you saw the, against South Alabama, it's not just that he went 14 for 15 against South Alabama with the one completion, incompletion, a drop pass in the end zone, but he averaged 21 yards per completion. So it's not like they were throwing bubble screens or little short passes. He was just right on the money on every throw. He's always been a leader. He's always been a winner. And he's always been an underrated runner who sometimes gets himself in trouble by taking hits he shouldn't take. But now he's added that supreme accuracy to, to his game. So he, he's, he's become a complete quarterback. You know, when you look at what Tulane did last year, and I, I told people, and I've been telling them all week, if I had a second team, it's probably the Tulane Green Wave. So <laughs> this is the one game that I'm not going to be rooting for Tulane this season. Uh, but if you look at what they did last year and what the small sample size we saw against USA, what do you think the differences are? Well, the big difference is no Tajay Spears, better passing game. That, that You can sum it up right there. Now, South Alabama, they did not play well against Tulane, but they, they were third in the nation last year in rushing defense. And Tulane did not, especially in the first half, there weren't many holes for the running backs. And Tajay Spears, it didn't really matter whether there were holes. He was a transcendent special back. I, I, people who didn't see him on a regular basis still don't realize how good that guy is. And if he can stay healthy in the NFL, they'll find out <laughs> real fast. They don't have a Tajay Spears on this roster. They've got four, maybe five running backs that they're trying out. They used four of them against South Alabama, learned no real answers in, in that game because the first half they really couldn't run at all. The second half they had some success when they wore down South Alabama's defense, but they're going to try, they're going to trot them all out against Ole Miss trying to find a guy who can be that bell cow running back. Willie Fritz's history before Ty J Spears, he always had good running backs. He always had good running games. So you, I think they're going to figure it out, but I, I, couldn't tell you who it's going to be because they none of these guys in preseason scrimmages or anything else has really stepped forward to, to be the guy. So they're not they're, they're a very different team than they were last year when Tajay Spears in the second half just absolutely took over. <laughs> um, they're going to have to rely on their passing game. They've got their best set of receivers that they've ever had under Willie Fritz, about four fast guys. None of them are superstars, but they're all just really good football players. And they got open against South Alabama on almost every play. We'll see what happens against against other teams down the road. But I definitely think the biggest difference in this team is going to be that they're going to throw a lot more to set up the run. And that's never been Willie Fritz's, the way his offenses have worked in the past. You know, uh, you look at the play count, I think Tulane ran 52 or 53 plays in week one. What, what does Tulane do in regards to tempo? How do they handle it? Because it looks like it's going to be a complete opposite styles with a yeah. lot of tempo from Lane Kiffin and a slow down approach from Willie Fritz. Yeah, Tulane buries it. I think you're right in this game. That's going to be, be the plan. Willie Fritz has said many times what he wants an he, he wants an offensive coordinator who's not married to one tempo. He wants to be able to go fast when they need to go fast and he wants to be able to slow it down when they need to slow it down. Um, and, 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 and that's what Tulane does now against that. They're going to want to keep Ole Miss's offense off the field as much as possible. I, I think you're going to see that slower tempo a, a lot more this week, but, but Tulane can, can vary it up. And the fourth quarter, he, the first thing he mentioned in his Tuesday presser was that how Tulane had the, I think had the ball for 13 minutes and 40 seconds in the fourth quarter against South Alabama and at South Alabama only had it for one minute and 20. And of course, with these new clock rules where the first down, where you get a first down and the clock keeps running, once you wear a team down and you slow that pace down, yeah, those drives, you can have a 10, 11 minute drive. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's something that we need to look forward to. What about this game for New Orleans? I mean, it's weird to have – it looks like the city is really energized about this game. Mm -hmm. It's a hard sellout. If you go to 
GameTime.co, the GameTime ticketing app, the get-in price to get into this game, it's about $100 per ticket. Talk, talk about that atmosphere around the game. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it all started with Tulane hosting the conference championship game last year because the crowds really weren't that big during the regular season. It's kind of a slow build. Then when Tulane hosted UCF in the conference championship game, it was an electric atmosphere, a sellout, um, huge they stormed the field after the game. That hasn't that I don't I can't ever remember that happening at a Tulane game in my lifetime. Um, and then and then the Tulane had a huge attendance at the Cotton Bowl in, in, in Dallas with fans and and the energy is still there. Now I have heard a rumor that some Ole Miss. You know, I know Ole Miss wasn't happy that they only got what three thousand tickets for this game or something to that effect. I've heard some rumors that Ole Miss fans bought Tulane season tickets. <laughs> um, so, I can't confirm that. I can't confirm that. Yeah. Um, to to increase uh, the the turnout for that game so so we'll see how that works but even the south alabama game it was not a hard sellout but it was pretty packed in the stadium and that's just something we haven't seen much there is for the first time i i'm 55 years old i was not in new orleans when tulane went 12 and 0 in 1998 so i can't really speak to that but but uh all the time i've been in in, in new orleans this is the most excited i've seen the tulane fan base for for the football team by far yeah, if you look at non-SEC road trips, the place that Ole Miss fans just want to go on the road, like they do not want to go on the road to Memphis. That doesn't make any sense. They don't want to go to USM in that area. But they all want to go to New Orleans, and they want road games in New Orleans. And I think that's because of the atmosphere Tulane used to have. Mm-hmm. With you go down and you play in the air conditioning, it's yeah. in the Superdome, you get to go have the French Quarter and do all of that stuff. But it's kind of a different situation now that you're playing outdoors. It's going to be hotter than the surface of the sun, about 120 degrees on that turf. And come to the fourth quarter, it's going to depend which coach is kind of imposing his will on the other team, right? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be brutally hot for that game. I will say Tulane, it won't be quite as hot for the players as it would have been in the past because Tulane completely replaced their 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 turf surface with what they, what was it, which is actually what Jerry Jones has at the in Dallas where, where Tulane played in the cotton bowl. And they're saying that the surface temperature is about 20 degrees cooler than what it was in the past. In any other year, this would have been a nightmare <laughs> for both teams. Players are talking about their feet felt like they were on fire through their shoes, just practicing on the artificial turf that Tulane had on the field turf Tulane used to have in the past. That won't help the fans at all. It's gonna be it's gonna be a scorcher on Sunday and on Saturday unless it, unless it's raining in the afternoon. But but at least at least the players will be a little better off than they would have been in the past. The, the first ever game in, at Yulman Stadium was against Georgia Tech in 2014, and 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 I, I think there were over 100 fans treated for heat heat related problems during the game. So if you if you're coming to the game, you definitely you definitely have to be prepared. I think the temperature is supposed to be in the low 90s with some pretty good humidity um, for 2:30 in the afternoon. Yeah, if, if your drink has alcohol in it, you're not hydrating. Drink water, people. <laughs> uh, real quick, I do want to let everybody know that today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn helps you find the right team for your team faster and for free. We all know how to build a profile. We all are on social media at this point. Go in and build a LinkedIn profile. Then you can add your job and a purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are, in fact, hiring. It's got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience 
so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. You know, whenever you hire the right team member, it can mean all the difference, especially with the Christmas season coming up. Heck, in college football, if you hire the wrong coach, you'll be making another hire very soon. If you hire the right guy, he can take you to the Cotton Bowl. Right, Gary? Exactly. Um, so it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs, number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That's LinkedIn.com slash college, And you can post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. College football season is here and Locked On is kicking up its coverage with Locked On College Football Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live from 11 to 1 Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. College Football Live, Kickoff Live will cover playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insights and analysis from our stable of Locked On hosts covering their teams every day. Find Locked On College Football Kickoff live every Friday from 11 to 1 Eastern on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. All right, Gary. We talked a little bit about the background of what's going on. What what are some players that we probably need to watch from Tulane um, on Saturday? Yeah. I, I'll start with with, with defense. Um, Tulane's defensive line is loaded this year. They basically returned their entire two deep from from last year. And uh, Patrick Jenkins, defensive tackle, he made the key play. He's the winning play in the in the Cotton Bowl, which was when he tackled the USC running back for a safety, which was literally the only way Tulane was going to be able to win that game because they could not stop USC. And that turned it into a six point game, gave Tulane the ball back that they were allowed to go down and get a touchdown. He, he picked up where he left off in the cotton bowl against South Alabama had two, had two tackles for loss, a forced fumble. He, he, he started his career. He's a new Orleans kid who started his career at TCU transferred to Tulane last year. Um, and, 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 and he, he, he's a, he's a dominant defensive tackle. Uh, I'll start with him. And then um, another guy, Jarius Monroe, cornerback. He, he, it'll be be a big test for him against Ole Miss. He sometimes likes to gamble. He had a, he was the only guy who made a play on defense up until Patrick Jenkins stop against uh, USC. He had an interception in the first half. He, he, he's a really good experienced cornerback um, who, who, who will be trying to make a big play uh, today. Then on offense, obviously you start with Pratt, but I, I, I touched on the receivers. Four different guys made big plays against South Alabama. Jaquan Jackson, who had, I believe, a nine, an 89 yard touchdown catch against USC last year, he had a couple of big plays. Um, Lawrence Keys, who's another local player who went to Notre Dame, transferred back to Tulane. He, he's one of those guys you can run revert, you can run into rounds. He's just he's really quick. Um, he, he's dangerous as a, as a receiver. A, a transfer from University of Louisiana Lafayette, Dante Fleming, he, he made a big play in that game, and then a. a, a a redshirt freshman who's a bigger receiver, Chris Brazel, had a bunch of big catches. He he came in 
you could tell he had all the skills when he came in last year. He was just far too skinny. He needed a year to, to, to gain weight. He's gained some of that weight and he's, and, and he, he, he's a different type receiver because he's got that size. You can shield off defensive backs. So that that's four receivers that Tulane's had that has, that can, they can make big plays in the past. It was either none or one in a lot of years. So that, that, that that's just a huge difference this year. So on the offensive line, I noticed you didn't mention there, how, yeah. how, how are they looking on the O-line? They're good. I mean, they, they, they returned four of their five starters, and the one new guy is Cam Wire, who played at LSU, um, who began the year as a starter at LSU last year, lost his job pretty early. He, he, he's the left tackle. Um, he, he's always had a ton of ability. They didn't feel like he played physical enough at LSU. He, he, but they, they did, the line did not allow a sack against South Alabama. Um, there was one sack. It was when a, a freshman running back failed to pick up a blitz, didn't, didn't catch the linebacker. The guy just absolutely annihilated Michael Pratt uh, on the play. But it, it's an experience. Willie Fritz said going into the year, he thinks this is easily his best offensive line in, in his tenure. Um, the guy that to look for there, Sincere Hainsworth, the, the center, he, he walked on senior day last year. Um, he thought he was going to the NFL. He, he's, he's short though. He's six foot one. You don't find too many centers in the NFL at, at that height. I think he got some draft feedback. He changed his mind. And so he's basically in his fifth year as a starter. He's the guy to look for on the offensive line. All right. If you look at Ole Miss, the, one, the, one of the matchups, Quinshawn Judkins, obviously. Yeah. And Tulane will be without, um, I think his name is Caleb Pratt, Platt or Corey Platt. Yeah. Corey yeah. Platt. Um, yeah. he, he's their best linebacker. Had an unbelievable stat line against USA. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, um, that, that that's a big loss, no doubt about it. I mean, he, he had he had 15 tackles before the end of the third quarter, and the play where he got hurt on Tulane still isn't releasing exactly what happened. But from what I'm hearing, he tore his Achilles, which means he's if that's the case, oh. we won't see him for the rest of the year. He made he, he made a sack on the sideline on a fourth down play that um and. And so, yeah, so with one minute left in the third quarter, he had 15 tackles. Tulane had an unbelievably, unbelievable linebacker, Dorian Williams, that graduated last year. He was, I think he was a third round pick of the Buffalo Bills. This guy's like Dorian Williams, but about 10 pounds lighter. And uh, Tulane has two starter quality linebackers in, in Jesus Machado. Um, and, 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 um, and, and they should be okay there, but the depth is going to be an issue because with the pace Ole Miss runs their offense in the middle of an afternoon, you can't just have the same guys on the, on the field every play. And, uh, and, and the backups that Tulane has are completely untested. And that may be an area that Ole Miss really looks to, to take advantage of during the game. Uh, with you going to practice and talking to obvious people and all of that stuff, what, what are the facets around Ole Miss's game that you're hearing from the Tulane side that they're genuinely concerned about? The pace. Uh, Willie Fritz, you know, in the debacle in, the, in Oxford two years ago, and there were a lot of extenuating circumstances around that game that didn't give Tulane a, a chance. But Tulane just couldn't get lined up defensively by the time Ole Miss was snapping the next play. I, and, and it just became just, just rolling downhill, got worse and worse for the defense. I think it helped them have helped Willie Fritz having gone against that, but that that's what he talked about first is you just got to be ready for the pace. Sheil Wood, Tulane's new defensive coordinator, who was at Troy last year, Troy played Ole Miss in the opener last year. So he has experience against it. I didn't see the game. I know that Ole Miss only scored 28 points. Troy did have a pretty good defense last year. So he's experienced going up against Lane Kiffin's offense. Um, but that, and, and he talked about how you can't worry about trying to get in the perfect call on defense. You've got to get in the fast call on defense so that your guys are actually set up and you got to rely on your guys to know what to do. But that, that was what that and Matt Corral is what devastated the Tulane defense two years ago. It's funny. I, I'm Tulane 
that game two years ago, Tulane had almost beaten Oklahoma two weeks earlier. I, th- I thought Tulane, I know the players thought they were, they had a great chance to win that game. I, I picked Ole Miss to win, but I thought it would be close. And then the first time Matt Corral ran downfield, I noticed that there wasn't anybody that could catch him. <laughs> and, and, and it was game over. Like literally the first time he, he, he ran the ball that night, this Tulane team will be more prepared for what Ole Miss has to offer than, than Tulane was two years ago. What, what players have Tulane's attention? What are the ones they're focusing on? Certainly the Judkins, because I mean, you, you don't run for 1,500 yards <laughs> without being a factor. And another thing, you know, there's still that image. People think of Lane, you you, you know, because you cover the team, that people think of Lane Kiffin and that they just pass all over the field offense. Well, Ole Miss finished third in the nation in rushing last year per game. And that, that, so I think that's number one, what Tulane is concerned about is if you can't stop the run against Ole Miss, you're not stopping Ole Miss. They just keep hitting you, hitting you, hitting you, hitting you, and then it opens up everything else. So I think that's they, – they, Tulane feels like they have a really good run defense this year. This is the ultimate test. They're not going to face an offensive line like Ole Miss the rest of the year. They're certainly not going to face a running back like him, and I think they feel like that's the key. They know Ole Miss is going to make some plays on the perimeter, but they, have, they, can't, they, can't just, they can't get gouged that first and foremost. You know, um, one of the advantages that Ole Miss has and people that play Ole Miss, they, they all have to come in and they all decide, hey, we got to stop Quinshawn. He he mm-hmm. cannot beat us. We, we need to set up to stop him. And, and through rolling players and safeties down and trying to populate the box, that actually makes matchups easier for the tight ends and the wide receivers and in the passing game. And Jackson Dart, I think, according to PFF, was the highest rated um, Power 5 quarterback in week one because of that and Ole Miss ended up throwing for like 500 yards because I mean granted it was Mercer but Mercer Mm -hmm. was doing all they can scared about number four right (laughs) do you think do you think Tulane has enough to where they can come up and concentrate so much on the run and leave themselves a little bit thin on the back end and be able to handle those wide receivers no I think Tulane is confident that they're good enough in that front seven that they won't have to do that and that they'll still be able to slow them down can they? We'll find out on, on Saturday. But yeah, no, because Tulane's the biggest concern for Tulane going into the season was their back end of their defense. They've got two new safeties and really three new because um, the, their, their nickelback last year had started at safety the, the year before. And so so these guys, these, these guys, they've got DJ Douglas, who was a walk on at Alabama, um, who earned very little, a little playing time, uh, mainly on special teams there. And Tulane offered him a scholarship. Should we jump to Tulane? And this is his third year at Tulane. He's he's a starter. Um, and Bailey Despanier, who'd been a backup, played some as a backup last year. But those guys are untested in the back. Tulane was really good in the back last year. They hardly gave up. Now, they weren't facing Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, but they didn't. They gave up very few big plays, and they didn't. And that had been a problem for pretty much the whole Willie Fritz era up until last year was getting beat by the home run balls, getting beat over the middle where the guy then ran all the way for a touchdown. So now I think Tulane will play pretty straight up defensively. They feel that they can, that they'll still be able to to at least slow down Ole Miss's running game. But I agree with you. If if, if no, if if Tulane stacks the box and totally sells out, they're gonna that's gonna be setting up Ole Miss for the big plays downfield. You know, I do want to let everybody know that this show is brought to you by the Game Time Ticketing app. Um, you can check out last minute ticket deals like the Ole Miss versus Tulane game. I think the get in price right now is about. $93 as the game is sold out. Game time is your avenue to get in this game as it is a hard sellout. And two-way fans are really jazzed about this football game, people. The game time guarantee means you will always get the best price. You can find tickets in the same section in the row for less. Game time will credit you 
of the distance. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can get images of your seat before you got. You can actually see what it looks like from that seat. Um, buy tickets in a matter of a second. You know, boop, boop, you're there. It's done. Tickets are sent directly to your phone. You don't have to dig through your email. It's a really good situation for people that are trying to get tickets and get into a game. So download the Game Time app, create your account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. If you're going for two lane, that'd be nice. If it's a, if it's a hundred dollars to get in the game, so terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On College for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Also, do want to let you know that the Rebels play the Tulane Green Wave Saturday at 2.30 Central Time. It'll be Willie Fritz. It'll be Lane Kiffin. It will be a matchup of tempos between the two programs. Who will be able to assert their will? You can catch every play of the Rebels hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on Channel 190 or the SXM app. Search Ole Miss Rebels. Anyway, I also want to say, yeah, I've already talked about that. All right. Gary, we need to um, kind of start going into wrapping this up. We talked about all the stuff building end up to this. How do you think this game will play out? Good question. No, I, I think it's going to be a close game. I, I say that <laughs> I thought it was going to be a close game two years ago, and I, I admit I was just I was ignorant about how how freaking good Matt Corral <laughs> was. Um, and then again, there were a lot of extenuating circumstances. Tulane was at the end of a month long evacuation to Birmingham. Willie Fritz brought his whole team to the game. They had 120 players. Then there was what a two hour, three hour lightning delay. They're all crammed in the, in a, in, in, in the locker room. It was, it was a mess. And then they go out and get hit with what hit them. And then their best, their, their team leader, Nick Anderson on defense suffered a game ending injury in the first quarter. And it was just, it was just a debacle. Uh, from, from that point on, but uh, you also I, did the helmet thing with the SEC champions, which was kind of poking the bear that night. I think. Yeah, I don't even remember that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I, I try not to remember a whole lot about that whole, <laughs> whole, whole experience for for a variety of reasons. But yeah, I think I, I like Tulane's chances in this game. I do. Corey Platt being out gives me pause though, because this guy. You don't fifth again. Fifteen tackles in three quarters. He can. He can. He's one of those linebackers who can cover thirty yards downfield. Blitz the quarterback. Do it all. When you don't have him and you're facing Lane Kiffin, it, it makes the task a lot tougher. But I do like the way Michael Pratt is playing right now. I think he was the most. He he, he was he graded as the most efficient quarterback in the country in in the first game of the year. With him and their receivers, I think Tulane is going to be able to score a lot of points. It's going to be a question of. Can Tulane slow down Ole Miss at all? And does it get to that point where the defense just gets tired because it's just play after play after play? They, they're going to need, like he's, I think tempo is going to be very important. Tulane's going to need to run better than they did against South Alabama in the first half so that it doesn't get to the point where the defense is on the field for a ton of plays early because that'll come back to bite you late. And we'll get into score predictions in just a second. Um, like, but this, just to let you know, Gary, this is probably the most talented Ole Miss football team that has existed in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. I, I've, I've never seen a team like this one. Um, the front seven, the trench play, everything is in good shape. Now, what gives me pause is remembering what Ole Miss did in 2015 against Memphis at Memphis. Mm -hmm. That game is the one that makes me think a little bit. It's like, well, what happens if this goes wrong? But I think at the end of the day, Ole Miss is going to do a decent job eliminating explosive plays from Tulane. I don't know if Tulane's going to be able to run the ball 
on that front seven very much. There's some pretty good players indeed. And if you do that, I, I don't know exactly what about Tulane scares you. I guess you have to make Michael Pratt drive the field, be very efficient in five to 10 yard um, t- route things instead of three completions being half the passing yards for Michael Pratt in that game. Um, I think it'll end up being 31 to 14 Ole Miss winning this game at Yulman Stadium. Okay. I'm going to go Tulane 34, Ole Miss 31. Um, Pratt is a different quarterback than people have seen in in the past. And Tulane's offensive line, I think, will protect him. I I tend to agree with you on the running game. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I don't think Tulane's going to have a ton of success there. Everything's going to have to go right for Tulane, but also like the atmosphere, it's a small stadium. Um, It's not a stadium that Ole Miss has ever probably any of their players in college have ever played in a stadium uh, of of that size with, with, with 30,000 seats that'll, that'll be packed. If Ole Miss, I don't know, I don't care how much coaches say any, I I don't know how much the Ole Miss players believe it's going to be a real challenge for them. And I think they may find out pretty early that it will be a challenge for them. And, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm making that pick. Like I said, I did not pick Tulane 